Have you ever wondered why they showed up? Have you ever wondered why it was Moses and Elijah who appeared with Jesus on Mount Tabor at the Transfiguration, and not two other people? I mean, why not King David and his son King Solomon? They were important Old Testament figures as well. Or how about Abraham and Noah? Or Isaac and Jacob? God certainly could have chosen to send any or all of them to Mount Tabor that day to appear in a glorified state with his son. Why Moses and Elijah? Well, if you don't know the answer, don't feel too bad about it. The meaning of Moses and Elijah's presence on Mount Tabor at the Transfiguration is not immediately obvious to most Christians today. And one reason for this is the simple fact that we're not Jewish. That is to say, most of us and most Christians in 2006 are not Jewish converts who understand Jewish symbolism. Peter, James, and John, of course, were Jews. They were good Jews, practicing Jews, devout Jews. So it was relatively easy for them to figure out why God had sent Moses and Elijah to the mountain that day and not two other figures from the Old Testament. Good Jews, you see, understood that Moses represented the law, especially the moral law that God had revealed to, on Mount Sinai to them in the form of the Ten Commandments. And they knew that Elijah was, as the Catholic Encyclopedia puts it, the loftiest and most wonderful prophet of the Old Testament. Although Jews wouldn't refer to the Hebrew Scriptures as the Old Testament, that's a Christian designation, because we have a New Testament. By sending Moses and Elijah, therefore, God was making a statement, a very important statement to Peter, James, and John. He was saying to them, the law and the prophets that you read about in the sacred scriptures point you to Jesus. Many of your fellow Jews do not realize that. But if they were enlightened by the Spirit, they would understand that the law and the prophets the two of the most important realities of your lives, of your Jewish faith, testify to the fact that Jesus Christ is my divine Son. That's why Moses and Elijah are here. So listen to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Obey Jesus. Don't be afraid to give your whole life to Jesus. Well, Father Ray, that's all very nice, that's all well and good, but how does that relate to us? How does this event 2,000 years ago concerning the Law and the Prophets, this event that took place on an obscure mountain in the Middle East, how does that relate to our experience in westerly Rhode Island right now at the beginning of the 21st century? Well, it's really quite simple. The Law and the Prophets pointed the Apostles 
to Jesus 2,000 years ago on Mount Tabor. And they do the very same thing for us today, although in a slightly different way. For the Jews, the law was found in the Ten Commandments and also in the first five books of the Bible, what they refer to as the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. For us, it's the Gospel law that matters. And the Gospel law is contained in those Ten Commandments. They are still valid. Some Christians seem to forget that. They think they're now the Ten Suggestions. No, they're not the Ten Suggestions or the Ten Options. They are still the Ten Commandments. That's part of the Gospel law. Also included in the Gospel law are the Beatitudes, which is why it's so fitting that on our monument in front of the church, we have the Decalogue on one side and the Beatitudes on the other. The Gospel law includes the rest of what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it includes the other moral teachings of the New Testament and the Catholic Church. The Gospel law points us to Christ, because it's all His teaching. And so if we obey it, good things will result. We will find happiness, joy, peace, love, and our lives will be ordered properly. If, however, we disobey the Gospel law, we will experience frustration, sadness, confusion, anger, disorder, and perhaps even despair. This truth really came home to me once on a youth retreat. There was a prayer service with the teenagers at a certain point of the weekend. And one girl from our group was obviously having a difficult time in the middle of it. That happens every once in a while. So I and one of the female chaperones took her out of the service. We sat her down. We asked her what was going on, what was she experiencing. She began to hold her stomach. She began to say, I'm sick. I'm feeling sick. I think I'm going to be sick. At which I thought, oh, wonderful. <laughs> Is there a basin around here somewhere? But it soon became very clear to me that it really wasn't a physical issue. Because she started saying, Father Ray, I'm sick. I'm sick of how I've been living lately. I'm sick of some of the things I've been doing. I'm sick of it all. I realized, wow, this young woman is actually having a powerful experience of God's grace. You know, God's grace sometimes makes us feel good right away, but other times, when we need it to be so, it makes us feel bad before it makes us feel good. She was experiencing in her body the sickness of her soul. But at the very same time, she was repenting and turning toward Jesus, 
Her violation of the moral law had made her sick. But that pointed her to Jesus as the one who could forgive her and heal her and restore her and give her happiness again. And the good news is the Lord did all of that for her on the retreat. Needless to say, the rest of the weekend was awesome for her. Once she had confessed her sins, received forgiveness, and renewed her commitment to Christ, which she did in that service, the sick feeling left her. And she experienced joy and peace in her heart. When we violate it, and when we obey it, the gospel law points us to Jesus Christ. And so do the prophets. The definition of a prophet is one who speaks for God. A lot of people think prophets in the Old Testament were fortune tellers. That's not what they were. Yes, they often talked about the future. But they were men who spoke for God in the present moment to the people in their present circumstances. They told the truth. That's what prophets do. They tell us the truth about life and even sometimes about ourselves. Prophets are those who speak God's word to us in a particular situation, whether we want to hear it or not. This means that we all have lots of prophets, lots of Elijahs, so to speak, in our lives. We certainly have the ones in the Bible who will speak to us if we have the good sense to open the Bible once in a while and read their words. We have the prophets God has given us in the official church, most especially our Pope and the bishops when they speak in union with him. When they speak as a body to us, we need to understand they speak prophetically. But we all have ordinary prophets as well, ordinary prophets in our personal lives who speak God's truth to us every day. They point us to Jesus by encouraging us to be faithful to him and to his moral law. There's a famous quote of St. Augustine in which he speaks of the advice that his mother gave to him prior to his conversion, in the days when he was running around with a lot of women and living an immoral life. Remember, Augustine was a playboy before he became a great saint. He wrote, I remember my mother warned me in private not to commit fornication and especially not to defile another man's wife. These seemed to me womanish advices which I should blush to obey. But they were yours, O God, and I knew it not. After his conversion, Augustine finally realized that his mother, his saintly mother, had been a prophet for him in telling him the truth, in telling him to be pure and chaste. Before his conversion, he thought she was simply being a nag. But she was not. Not long ago, a husband and wife were dealing with a particular problem. And I said to the woman, listen to your husband in this situation. He's telling you what's right. 
He's saying what I think God would want him to say in this situation. He's being a prophet for you right now. As I recall, she didn't like that too much. It's not what she wanted to hear. On the other hand, he was ecstatic. But in any event, it proved to be true. Once she took his advice, the situation improved dramatically. Now, in all fairness, let it be known that I have also said the very same thing to certain men at times about their wives. I said, you need to pay attention to what your wife is saying to you right now. She's telling you the gospel truth. She's being a prophet for you at this moment. It can work both ways in a marriage. And it very often does. The law and the prophets point us to Jesus Christ and to the happiness and joy and peace that only He can give. That's one of the most important lessons of the Transfiguration. Dear Lord, help us. Help us all to understand this message and help us all to live our lives accordingly. Amen.